Welcome to the new Two Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Two Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Audrey Baria and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Baria. Well, welcome to the premier broadcast of Two Docs in a Pod. We have changed from WellMed Radio to Two Docs in a Pod, and you're on the first show. I'm Ron Aaron. Delighted to have you with us, along with one of our new co-hosts, Dr. Audrey Baria. She's been part of the WellMed family for nearly six years, currently a PCP, a provider at the WellMed at 9th Avenue North Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. Her interests in medicine began at a very young age, and her uncle was really the one who led her into it. He was a general practitioner and he would take her along on house-to-house calls. And that's a pretty neat way to begin your practice and begin understanding your love for medicine. She became uh, not only someone who wanted to get into medicine, she ended up at Ross University School of Medicine in Portsmouth, Dominica, where she earned her medical degree, completed her residency in an OBGYN fellowship at St. Mary's Hospital in Hoboken, New Jersey. Dr. Barry is board-certified in family medicine, and she readily admits she loves it. And so, Audrey, welcome. First show, good to have you. Thank you so much, Ron, for that amazing introduction. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about uh, uh, something that is certainly uh, a topic that you get involved in, and that's palliative care. Absolutely. And we have Dr. Stevens, who I'm going to leave another amazing introduction to you, Ron. Well, Dr. Ronald Stevens joins us. He and I share a great first name. He's a physician at the Specialist for Health Morgan Clinic in Corpus Christi, earned his medical degree from Texas Tech University Health Science Center in Lubbock, completed his residency at Memorial Medical Center Corpus Christi. Dr. Stevens is board certified in family medicine. And Dr. Stevens, we appreciate you joining us on Two Docs in a Pod. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to to visiting with you. Well, for those who don't know, give us the 411 on palliative care. What is it and why is it? Well, palliative care, uh, a lot of people know about palliative care in combination with hospice, uh, but palliative care is its own specialty and it does uh, its own thing. It's basically for patients with any type of serious illness. Most of the patients that we take care of are patients that have a life-limiting illness. That may be cancer, it may be heart disease that's end stage, it may be end stage lung disease. Uh, patients that are on dialysis, patients with liver disease, uh, but these are patients that require um, additional help. Uh, they end up taking more resources from our uh, health program. What we try to do with our uh, particular program is to, to do what we can to keep them from having to go to the emergency room and hospital. Uh, if we're able to take care of their, those issues at home, uh, they prefer that, and uh, we're, we're able to Uh, to do some neat things with uh, the social workers that work in our program and uh, the uh, RNs, the LVNs, and uh, just, again, helping the patients, but also the families, because these are are life-changing issues when some of these patients are diagnosed with something that they're not familiar with. I can remember years ago interviewing Dr. Sidney Wolf, one of the founders of the Health Research Group, and he used to say the last place you want to be when you're sick is a hospital. Right. It, it varies, but in general, when you go to the hospital, 
Uh, they don't have your medical records. They're not familiar with you. You know, in, in the old days, we used to take care of patients in, in the clinic and then go across the street and take care of them in the hospital. Anymore, we have hospitalists. We have, you know, teams that are in the hospital because it's such a specialty in and of itself. Uh, so it's, it's more difficult for the patients and the families because uh, it's basically fragmented or disjointed care sometimes. Then uh, there's, there's not always a good communication stream between the primary care doctor and the hospitalist. Who recommends someone going into palliative care? Do you self-select or does it take your medical team? It usually takes our medical team. We have a, a group of primary care physicians in the Corpus Christi market and in our area that uh, make recommendations and make referrals to our program. We also have some hospitalists at our local hospital that uh, when they see these patients coming in for a second or a third admission with their congestive heart failure or whatever issue they have, they, they make recommendations that we begin to follow and monitor and help those patients. Uh, we have to borrow uh, pardon me, Dr. Barry, for those who don't know, what, what is a hospitalist? Hospitalist is a physician that takes care of the patient while they're admitted to the hospital. And in most cases, I would say 99%, especially with our well-med model, the hospitalist is in communication with the primary care physician. And there you have the exchange of information, as well as any testing or anything that might have been done as an outpatient so that they're not duplicating any of the work. Now, we're going to find out more about palliative care, but first, I want to remind those who may have just joined us, you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria, and we're talking on our hotline to the city of Corpus Christi, Texas, with Dr. Ronald Stevens. Ron is a specialist at Specialist for Health in Morgan, Corpus Christi, and we're talking about palliative care. And Dr. Stevens, uh, when you recommend a family going into palliative care, uh, as you started out uh, suggesting, most folks don't know a lot about it and they get confused uh, with hospice and they turn to you and they say, does that mean my mom's going to die? Right. And that's the thing that we try to uh, communicate, especially at that initial visit. Uh, we see patients at the onset of their illness. Uh, we have some patients, there, there are pediatric palliative care programs. So uh, patients that, uh, that have some sort of life-limiting illness even at a young age, uh, may be candidates for palliative care. The difference between palliative care and hospice, one of the differences is that with hospice, you're usually uh, stopping any aggressive treatment. And with uh, palliative care, you can continue with your aggressive treatment. So the patients that are under palliative care, we're an extra layer of support that comes along to help manage symptoms, uh, and basically to help guide some of these patients and families through the uh, healthcare system. We work along with the oncologist, even while the oncologist is treating them with chemotherapy or uh, treating with radiation or whatever the specific treatment is. And is that now a, a specialty, Dr. Baria? Well, what I was going to ask Dr. Stevens is, don't you also find that with palliative care on board, the patient can be in their own home environment, which can make it a lot less stressful for the patient. Very much so. Uh, and, and again, probably 80% of the visits that we do with our program through WellMed and Corpus Christi are home visits. And so it makes a huge difference. You know, a, a patient can get, uh, get, you know, cleaned up and uh, dressed up and they can look pretty good and smell pretty good when they come to the office. 
if we go and do a home visit on them, we actually see them where they live. We see what things look like. Uh, sometimes we're asking about their medications and uh, we find a handful of medications on the kitchen table, but some are in the kitchen, uh, some are in the bathroom, and so some are on the bedside table. So it it really does make a difference to do a home visit because you you get to see the people where they live, and uh, and that that begins to set the foundation for you know our communication with them. And you also can find that when you open the refrigerator, there's no food in there. Exactly. And we, we do that. We, you know, a lot of patients feel like maybe we're a little bit too nosy, but uh, we, we have to evaluate and find out what the circumstances are uh, because we do have resources available through our uh, program where we can uh, maybe supply food or we can have our social worker go and visit with them uh, to supply meals on wheels or some uh, mom's meals or other resources that they didn't know that they had access to. Well, and also food insecurities could be a hindrance to their recovery. So that's something that we would definitely want to find out ahead of time if we could. And I have to say the home visits that I've done have been an eye-opening experience for me. And I'm so glad that we had started participating in doing home visits. What had you seen? Just exactly what Dr. Stevens was saying, that you're seeing the patients in their own environment and you're getting the lay of the land, if you will, of how they live on a day-to-day basis, you know, what the challenges are that they're facing on a daily basis and how we can assist them to overcome any of the challenges that they may need to overcome um, and help them in any way possible. But they're not things that they're readily going to admit to you when they come into our office and see us on our turf, if you will. And that's the invaluableness of doing home visits. So they're on their best behavior, Dr. Stevens, when they come to your office. Right, right. But again, the the difference is if uh, when they do get to the point where they're not able to make it to the office and, and we have to transition them to a home visit, we actually get to see them in their turf, in their environment, and actually see what life is really like for them. Yeah, it's interesting. Dr. Baria, in her bio, talks about making house calls with her uncle, which is the way back then general practitioners did their work. They had that black bag, and they drove that old beat-up Chrysler, and they pulled in front of a house, and into the house they went. I used to do the same thing with my late uncle, Sal Sag. He was a GP. Uh, I can remember, and Dr. Barrio, you've seen it firsthand, when that doctor walks in that house, uh, the look on the people's faces and and the sense of putting their lives in your hand and how much better they feel when that doctor's there. They were so appreciative of the house calls. And um, even patients today that I go and do house calls on, they are incredibly appreciative. They're just, and I will tell you, some of them have gotten so spoiled that they're like, well, when are you coming to the house again? You know, <laughs> um, one patient actually made brownies for us because, and it wasn't even for me, it was for my nurse that came with me and she knows that he has a sweet tooth. And so he's like, Daryl, I made you brownies in there. You can share them if you want, but they're really for you. It's like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and Dr. Stevens, uh, you know, the knock on house calls is it's so time consuming and it gets you out of the office and you can't see as many patients. Uh, you have the flexibility uh, with the WellMed model to take that kind of time, do you not? 
really do. And again, being able to go into the home and sit down with the patient, you know, at their kitchen table or, or visit with them in their living room, uh, you just kind of kick back. It's, it's not the high pressure. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll walk in, maybe initially their blood pressure is 140 over 90. Uh, after our visit, you know, toward the end of 45 minutes, all of a sudden it's back down to 120 over 80. Uh, they, they feel like basically we become part of the family by being there in the home. Uh, but it does set up, you know, an opportunity for us to have more uh, deep uh, discussions with the family and the patient about what their goals are and what's important to them going forward. Now we're gonna talk more about palliative care in just a moment. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to the inaugural broadcast of Two Docs in a Pod, and we come to you every week bringing you news, information, and an update on health and wellness for everybody, and we're delighted to do that. Our co-host is with us, Dr. Audrey Barria. Delighted to have her. And down in Corpus Christi, Dr. Ronald Stevens. Thanks for joining us on Two Docs in a Pod. Nervous about going to see the doctor? At WellMed, many patients can see a doctor from the comfort of home with MyHealthLight Now. Enjoy a secure private medical appointment using a computer, smartphone, or tablet. You can even get same-day appointments. Go to www.myhealthlightnow.com to register or download the MyHealthLight Now app. Interested in becoming a WellMed patient? Visit discoverwellmed.com. Well, we thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Two Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria. Uh, Dr. Barria hangs out in St. Petersburg, Florida, and we're delighted to have her on board as one of our two co-hosts, our other co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and they will alternate weeks here on Two Docs in a Pod. Down in Corpus Christi, Texas, we're talking with Dr. Ronald Stevens. He is a specialist in family medicine, and we're talking about palliative care and Dr. Stevens, for those who may have just joined us, once again, the 411 on what is palliative care? Palliative care is a, is a specialty. Uh, it's designed to help folks that have life-limiting illnesses. Uh, it's not hospice. Uh, hospice basically is for those patients that are at the end of life uh, that no longer desire to seek aggressive treatments. So with palliative care, we're able to co-manage patients along with their specialists. So if they have an oncologist that uh, is giving them chemotherapy or they get radiation treatments, uh, normally those patients would not be a, a hospice candidate. Uh, but for our program, we're able to, to come alongside and manage symptoms and, uh, and help to manage any other medical problems that they may have while those treatments are going on. Now, you mentioned it's a, a specialty relatively new, I gather. Can you be board certified in palliative care? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, you can. And uh, uh, there have actually been two or three different specialty boards through the years, uh, but we now have uh, a, a large American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine. Again, we, we basically work with those uh, hospice partners uh, because a lot of the patients that are in palliative care end up transitioning to hospice services uh, as their disease progress, or sometimes when the patient or the family makes a decision that they want, don't want to continue with those aggressive treatments. And what's been the response of families who, who see their loved one go into palliative care? 
Well, it varies. Uh, most folks are are nervous about anything that's new when it comes to medicine because they don't they don't know what to expect. Um, I think with palliative care, again, you know, setting the the uh, uh, the stage to be able to visit with them in their home and to talk with them about their medical illness. Uh, we usually come prepared. We've already reviewed their medical records. We've reviewed the hospital records. We've reviewed the specialist records. So we can discuss with them more specifically what's going on. But we usually, you know, one of the first steps is to ask permission to see how much information that they want us to share with them about their disease. Because some patients and some families are very terrified that we're going to say the wrong word and, and take away hope. Uh, and that's not our purpose. We're there more to uh, help them to define what are their specific goals of care, what's important to them in life going forward. That's very interesting. To talk a little more about that. When you ask a patient what's their goal, a patient who may be quite ill, uh, sometimes they probably surprise you in what they say. They do. And uh, this, you know, a couple of patient scenarios. Uh, I was visiting with an 82 year old lady. Uh, this has probably been a year ago uh, that had been diagnosed with lung cancer. Uh, she really had no family. She was living with a niece and uh, uh, she uh, was going to start the next day on 52 uh, days of radiation treatments. And she said, I just don't know that I want to go through all of that. And so I said, well, what, what's important to you? You know, a lot of our uh, elderly patients, patients that are 70, 80, 90 years old, uh, they, they just basically believe that what the doctor says is gospel. And uh, they want to believe everything and do everything that the doctor tells them to do. But uh, I, I gave her permission. I said, you know, this is your life. You know, you've, you've done pretty good. If you've made it 82 years, you've made some good decisions in your life. So uh, I want to give you some information and let you decide and tell me what you want to do. And uh, so as we talked further, I, I soon realized she, she really was not interested in pursuing the radiation treatment, even though that was already, you know, arranged and she was going to start the next day. Uh, she decided that really what she wanted to do was to be kept comfortable. And uh, so uh, we discussed various options. And one of the options that we discussed was uh, hospice care at home uh, because she was having a little bit of trouble with different activities of daily living and different things that she needed resources. So by allowing her the permission, she, <laughs> she actually asked me the question. She said, you mean I can do that? I can, I can tell the doctor I don't want that treatment? And I said, yes, ma'am, this is your life. And you get the opportunity to make a decision about what's important to you. And so by giving her permission, uh, that led her to a totally different um, area. She, she enjoyed you know, several more months of, of life, but, uh, but that was her decision instead of being forced to follow maybe some of the rules or some of the paths that we usually choose for patients. And she died on her own terms. She did. She did. She did. Uh, and again, the hospice team was great. They were able to meet with her, meet with her family, uh, help her niece, and just basically help through the transitions because uh, that's what hospice does. They, you know, they're they're there to help to make life end well, and uh, their their goal is to help patients to live until they die. And so it's it's not that they're there to to take take her life away from her. They're there to to help give her other options, but to meet her goals, to see what's important to her. So Dr. Baria, Dr. Stevens brings up a really good point. Uh, 
you need to let patients tell you what they want. You need to let them ask the right kinds of questions. Do we do enough of that? I don't think we do. I think there is a amount of trepidation, if you will. I think we're all on some level a little scared to find out what the answer is going to be if we ask these very difficult questions. But at the end of the day, we're here for the patients and we want to make sure that we're conveying to the patient that we're looking out for their wishes and what they want to do and how they want to proceed. And um, I'll give you an example. I had a patient who was 90 years old. She wound up with basically a decision that needed to be made of if she was going to get an amputation above the knee because she had gangrene in the lower extremity. And how was she going to function? The son wanted to do everything because he wasn't ready to lose his mom. And that's very understandable. I mean, who's ever ready to lose a parent? But at the end of the day, I had to have a conversation with him and say, we have to see what she wants. And when you asked her, there was also a dementia involved. She was, she knew that the son wasn't ready. And so she was making this decision based off of what she thought he wanted. And I said, let's ask her. I said together to the son, I said, let's ask your mom, because at the end of the day, we want to do what the right thing is for her. I said, how is she going to get around if she has an above the knee amputation? She's going to, she's going to be a great fall risk. And that's going to create way more problems in the near future if she goes through with this surgery. Um, and when we asked her specifically, I said, ma'am, what do you want? What are your wishes? And she said, you know, let's hold off on this surgery for now. And I knew that, it, I mean, she'd been my long-term patient. So I knew that she wasn't ready for the surgery and she was going to do it just for her son. So when you have these difficult conversations and when you present it and let the son know, I said, look, it's okay. You know, I mean, it's okay for her to make this decision. It might not be what you want, but it's the right thing for her. You know, Dr. Stevens, Audrey brings up a really good point. When you're dealing with the patient who has dementia, uh, severe or, or mild cognitive impairment, uh, how do you make decisions with them? Well, one of the things that we do when we see a patient initially is we do several screens. We actually do an evaluation of their cognitive function. Uh, we screen them for depression. Uh, we screen them for their ability to function around the house and then additional functions. Do they still drive? Do they still keep up with their finances? Do they handle their own medication? All of those are really important factors to know how, you know, how the patient's thinking, but also are they capable of making some of these decisions? So sometimes we have patients that just aren't capable of making decisions. And so uh, what we do is what Dr. Barrio was saying, we, we go back to the family and I'll ask the son or the daughter, you know, you know your mom or dad better than any other person on this planet. So you tell me, what would your mom say if, if you presented this to her and, and she could tell you what she would want? What do you think she would say? And so again, just like Dr. Barry was saying, if we put the ball back in the court of the patient and let the patient be the one that makes the decision, because uh, I've, I've never seen a family member yet that says I'm ready for mom to go, uh, except at the very end. 
And most of those patients and families, they, they love each other, they care for each other. It's just a matter of finding out from the family, what does mom or what does dad really want? What do you think would be the best thing for them? Because we can keep on going and we can, we can pull out our, our, you know, our medical bag and find the next uh, treatment, but that's not always the best thing. Sometimes it's best to say, what do they want? And let's follow their wishes. And we've got about 30 seconds left before we go. I think, Dr. Stevens, one of the things you've touched on, and you too, Dr. Baria, is having an end-of-life plan that every patient should have. Yes, and I think the thing that we need to try to do is to discuss those plans before the crisis. You know, if we wait until the very end, if we wait until they're in ICU, we wait because they're going to turn the, the ventilator off, it, it, we need to discuss those things before it gets to that stage. And get in writing the kind of agreement uh, and plans that the patient would like. Yes, sir. Yeah, we have something called a medical power of attorney, but there are several different options these days, uh, a directive to physician, you can be very specific, you can write out all your plans and tell them this is what I want if I get in that situation. Perfect. Got to stop you right there. You've been a great guest. Appreciate all that information on palliative care and more. Dr. Ronald Stevens down at the uh, Specialist for Health in Morgan in Corpus Christi for our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria. For two docs in a pod, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon. Executive producers for Two Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker, and associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Two Docs in a Pod with Dr. Audrey Barria and Ron Aaron. 